Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. It's time for another show dedicated to the world of keto. Check out ketoreset.com for details about my New York Times bestselling book and send your questions to info at ketoreset.com. Hi, listeners. Brad Kearns here with another keto show. And instead of a Q&A like Susie Q from Kalamazoo writes in about this and that, we're going to cover questions that seem to be more of recurring themes and patterns. So kind of extracted from the many, many comments uh, and questions posed on the Keto Reset Facebook group, kind of aggregated and drawn into these themes so we can talk through some of these major points that seem to be uh, recurring concerns for people. Oh, I hope you have checked out ketoreset.com, our wonderful website where we have details about the books. That's right, plural, because we have the Keto Reset Diet, New York Times bestseller, and now the recently released Keto Reset Instant Pot Cookbook. Oh, what a fun project this was for everyone involved, especially Lindsay Taylor, Layla McGowan, and Mark Sisson, who had a wonderful group effort to get this thing quickly from start to finish and out there and publish for all the Instant Pot enthusiasts. And I had never used an Instant Pot, and then we got this project going, and so I wanted to learn everything about it and try it, and it's so much fun, it's so cool. You cook things quickly so you can actually do it uh, rather than, oh, I'm not going to make that because I don't have three hours today. Even a uh, acorn squash or spaghetti squash, which I'm used to cooking in the crock pot for many hours, takes something like nine minutes on high pressure, and you get this delicious acorn squash with uh, cinnamon and butter on it. Uh, Ooh, pushing the borderline of keto because it's a starchy vegetable. But hey, once in a while, that stuff's great. You know, throw that into uh, your Wagyu steak from Lone Mountain Wagyu. Thank you, Griff Foxley, for sending me those. The most delicious steak in the world. It's so good, I'm going to make a video uh, of me cooking it and eating it. Cooking it to perfection. Three minutes on each side. So simple. And absolutely fabulous quality meat from the Wagyu cattle. Quite a distinction from the great American feedlot cattle. And uh, you have the Instant Pot cookbook you can learn about there at ketoreset.com. And also, of course, our mastery course, which we are so pleased to present as probably, arguably, the most comprehensive experience to plunge all the way into keto and do it right from start to finish. Even if you're coming from uh, a distant uh, destination, like a carbohydrate dependency diet, or kind of new to the primal paleo low-carb scene, you heard about this keto thing, maybe you plunged right in and didn't realize that it takes a little bit of progression steps to do this right. You can't just turn the corner and say, okay, I'm going to commit to keto this month and go for it and read about all these great benefits. So in the Keto Reset Diet book and also in the online mastery course, we take you through step by step. We cover the complementary lifestyle practices such as optimizing your exercise program, optimizing your sleep, getting into healthy stress management techniques. And yes, these are all part of the online course to make sure that you succeed. Because when we just focus on macronutrients and we get some nerdy dude that's smarter than me up there saying, okay, so the carbohydrate grams per calories per gram is four. And so if you times that by 12, that's 48. And that's about all you can have that day. That's gonna be tough to succeed. 
especially if your sleep is slightly off from optimal or you have any whiff of a chronic exercise pattern, meaning doing too much too often with too little rest in between, which is so common even for the recreational enthusiast and especially for the competitor of just going out there and pushing your body a little bit too hard every single day that locks you into a carbohydrate dependency pattern as does introducing excess artificial light and digital stimulation after dark. It predisposes you to an increased appetite. It spikes the hunger hormone ghrelin. So you want to eat primarily sugar for quick energy, especially when you're trying to stay up late at night and finish your emails. And you're also predisposed to storing those excess calories that you consume due to your nighttime uh, illumination habits. You're predisposed to storing those as fat rather than burning them. So if you compromise your sleep, you screw up your fat burning, simple as that, and you screw up your uh, potential to succeed with keto. So when you sign up for this mastery course, uh, the videos are very well edited and organized and titled so that you can navigate to exactly what you need. And if you want to cut to the chase and you know you're sleeping great and you don't want to see me in bed with my blindfold on and my uh, miner's lamp and my yellow glasses, you can skip right into the juicy stuff. Maybe you have a certain expert that caught your eye when you sign up for the course Uh, So Dr. Kate Shanahan, those videos are navigated by alphabetical order, filed by each expert. So you can proceed through the course with a step-by-step through the chapters of the book. Everything covered in the book is uh, thrown into video. So you don't have to worry about reading if you're too busy and you like to learn in a more impactful manner with me being emphatic and gesturing into the camera saying, look, you got to cut out these refined carbohydrates. Otherwise, you're going to die, that kind of stuff. Uh, you'll enjoy the video course. So that's my plug for that, ketoreset.com. You know, it's only 147 to sign up for this whole thing with over 100 videos, hours and hours of instruction, all these cool downloads and supportive PDF files where you have recipes that you can print out and put on your refrigerator, uh, many more uh, audio content that you can download and play like a podcast, all part of the course. And right now, because you're a devoted listener to the podcast, I'm going to give you a special, 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 special deal. How about 20% off? Can you believe that I'm offering that much? The folks at headquarters are really, they, they can't believe I did it. They're so mad at me. Just kidding. Uh, but if you use this code, BRAD20, B-R-A-D-20, you will get 20% off on the Keto Reset Mastery course and any other course that we're offering. Pretty easy to remember. There's a discount coupon field on the checkout page at primalblueprint.com. Of course, you can navigate over there from ketoreset.com when you're looking at the online mastery course and you say, yeah, sign me up now. And then you'll have a place to order that. Any problems, you can call Primal Headquarters and they'll take care of you. So go for it right now. It's a pretty good deal. I guarantee that you're going to be satisfied and you're going to have all you need to succeed with the learning materials there. And if you're struggling, our expert staff is here to support you as well. So we're taking you through this for sure, for sure. 20% off right now, Brad 20. Who knows how long it'll last? No promises, man. Limited time offer. Okay, let's get into the themes and concerns we're going to call this show. How about that? Now, first First one, fat-adapted versus keto-adapted. How are they related? Can you be one without the other? Wow, good question. Now, if you look through the Keto Reset Diet book, 
you'll see that over and over we use the laborious term fat and keto adapted. For those uh, grammatical editors, it's fat dash and keto dash adapted. (laughs) Okay, so we want you to become both fat and keto adapted, meaning that you are metabolically flexible, metabolically efficient, and become very good at manufacturing and burning and or burning internal sources of energy. So you no longer have a dependency on regular meals to uh, thrive and uh, deliver to your bloodstream uh, the exact nutrients you need at any time. The liver is the control tower for all uh, metabolic function and does an exquisite job of giving you exactly what you need at all times. Imagine how our, uh, how important uh, optimal blood sugar levels are at all times. If we have a little too much or a little too little, we will go hypoglycemic, get tired, cranky, and pretty soon pass out on the couch. Same with if we have too much blood sugar, we go into that hyperglycemia state, which is very hazardous to health. That's why the diabetics have to be near insulin all the time. Uh, so a healthy functioning liver will regulate that blood sugar to the tune of the optimal level is around five grams that's one teaspoon total circulating volume throughout your bloodstream, which is seven or eight liters. That's close to quarts for you uh, uh, provincial uh, imperial measurement people. So that's a lot of blood circulating throughout your body and only five grams represents optimal blood glucose. So the liver is also good at making ketones. If your dietary carbohydrate intake is minimal or you're fasting or starving, so we have that fantastic uh, genetic function where even if we're not consuming enough glucose in the diet, we will kick into ketone production, send those ketones primarily to the uh, extreme energy demand organ that is the brain and give the brain enough energy to function. Of course, it's difficult to get into that state because today we're in this carbohydrate dependency, constant food overfed state where we're eating three meals a day, A lot of them high in carbohydrates, most of them high in carbohydrates, talking about standard Western diet, and therefore ketone production is a long forgotten uh, genetic attribute that never is dusted off or needed. So we want to get keto adapted uh, when we are restricting dietary carbohydrate for uh, health benefits, health consequences when we're pursuing this keto stuff. But fat adapted is a little different because um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're making ketones, but you're good at burning stored body fat. So a primal paleo-type person who is uh, eating according to those guidelines, ditching grains and sugars, emphasizing fruits, vegetables, high nutrient value carbohydrates, and of course, natural nutritious fats as the prominent calorie source in the diet, but not going low enough with carb intake to stimulate ketone production. In other words, you're getting your carbs from diet. Of course, you're getting them from good sources like fruits and vegetables, Maybe you're eating your sweet potatoes, your wild rice, your quinoa, whatever it is, but you're going above that 50-gram cutoff that you often hear about uh, in terms of stimulating ketone production. So you might not call yourself keto-adapted, but you're definitely fat-adapted because you're really good at burning stored body fat. You can skip a meal and kick into that fat-burning state, but you're still burning, let's say, uh, stored uh, glucose from uh, f- from liver glycogen, uh, or if you're exercising, you're taking the glycogen out of the muscles and using that for an energy source and never really becoming keto-adapted. Remember, the brain requires about 150 grams of glucose per day or uh, glucose slash ketones if you're not getting that. So it's pretty easy to meet that with 
a primal aligned diet and not necessitate ketone production. Only when you get down to uh, lowering intake under 50 grams a day, that's when you're going to need to um, uh, to boost that up. And the body does a good job boosting that up with uh, converting uh, amino acids into glucose via, via gluconeogenesis. But when you get keto adapted, uh, boy, that's really wonderful because we have those, not only the metabolic benefits, but the uh, drug-like genetic signaling benefits from being in that ketone burning state. And that's why it's so popular. That's why it's so highly touted by health experts as putting yourself into another realm of uh, healthy metabolic function, healthy genetic function. The body loves to burn these ketones and they burn much more cleanly in the body than glucose. They have less oxidative damage, less free radical production, uh, more recruitment of mitochondria, which are those energy uh, producing powerhouses located inside each cell. And they offer a protective benefit. They make burning energy in the body a little cleaner, less stressful, less inflammatory. So when you get into ketosis and you're in this fat and keto adapted state both, that's when you can experience the fabulous health benefits and fat adapted. I guess you could call it one step below, but many people think that there's really not the, uh, it's, it's not necessary to have this keto ketosis be the end destination, especially when it comes to athletes and high calorie burners that don't have concerns about excess body fat. So now we're not talking about many people because most people in this game are looking to drop a few pounds, even if it's that last five pounds of spare tire from belly fat, or maybe it's 10 or 20 or 50 or 100 pounds, but that's a huge goal is to get rid of that excess body fat. So when we're in that condition, um, ketosis and a ketogenic diet is probably going to be the most successful uh, strategy ever discovered in the uh, dietary realm to get that excess body fat off. But if you're athletic and your main concern is performing and recovering from strenuous workouts, you don't have excess body fat concerns, nor do you have uh, concerns in your blood values from your heart disease risk factors, which uh, some athletes, unfortunately, even though they're pictures of fitness, they have some uh, bad health consequences going on due to extreme exercise patterns. They have some damage to the heart and some high risk of things like atrial fibrillation and uh, other uh, consequences of extreme exercise. A lot of them coming up as pre-diabetic, even though they look lean and mean, they're consuming too many carbs, burning too many carbs, and overstressing the metabolic system accordingly, even though they're not in that fat storing phase. So if you're trying to drop excess fat, you're going to look to keto as the ultimate uh, success formula. But if you're not, uh, Dr. Tommy Wood makes a good point about this too. When you're constantly or when you're regularly depleting your energy and starving the cells of energy through that strenuous workout, challenging them to produce energy internally to kick you through to the finish line, uh, you're going to turbocharge fat burning. Uh, you might even stimulate a little ketone production here and there, uh, such as waking up first thing in the morning, being in a fasted state, and you wait an hour or two before your first meal, or you uh, perform a workout in a fasted state, and you get into that energy-depleted state, where your liver is going to produce a little bit of ketones. Maybe you're not going to test 0.5 or higher on the blood meter, so you don't get a free pass to the, uh, the keto conference, but it's still a part of your metabolic function. And pretty much everybody has the ability to make a little bit of ketones, especially when they wake up from an overnight fast. So it's not a black and white where you're either in ketosis or not, especially for an athlete. 
You're just looking to optimize metabolic function, get those benefits of once in a while, challenging the cells uh, by limiting their energy source and getting that uh, benefit of mitochondrial biogenesis. So when cells are stressed, when they're asked to perform, such as when fasting or performing an intense or a strenuous or prolonged workout, that's going to stimulate the production of new mitochondria so the cells can become more efficient. But you need to have that hormetic stress, that challenge. If you're constantly overfed with not exercising much and eating uh, big meals at morning, noon, and night, that's where you're going to be in that comfortable state where you don't stress your cells, you don't challenge them to perform at their best, and instead you experience accelerated cell division due to all the food that's coming down the pipe and accelerated aging. Uh, I might be talking a little quickly and maybe a little advanced on these concepts, so uh, it's because I've covered them in previous shows, but I apologize if you're not following every single thing. But back to the big question, uh, what's the difference between fat-adapted, keto-adapted? Keto-adapted is you're making ketones to account for uh, carb restriction, extreme carb restriction in the diet, and fat-adapted means you're good at burning fat, even though you're eating a, let's say, a reasonable amount of carbs. And to put quantities there, we know that keto is generally regarded as 50 grams per day of gross carbohydrate consumption or below. Uh, for an active person, maybe 30 or below if you're inactive, which you shouldn't be. And then uh, the primal paleo cutoff, primal blueprint carbohydrate curve, you can Google that and look up the visual on there. But if you're eating primally and emphasizing uh, uh, abundant vegetable consumption, sensible fruit consumption, such as seasonal fruit consumption, and then uh, incidental carbs from things like the high nutrient value Uh, colorful carbs like sweet potatoes, wild rice, and quinoa, and then the incidental carbs from nuts, seeds, and their derivative butters, high cacao percentage dark chocolate, you're probably going to get up to around 150 grams per day just from eating primally and cutting grains and sugars. If you're introducing grain, sugar, sweetened beverages, you're going to go over that 150, and that's kind of the cutoff point that we like to reference that uh, for for health, you kind of want to stay under that, and you'll automatically go under that if you're eating primally, but getting to 50 is another story. Probably good to build some momentum at that uh, primal blueprint zone of 150 or below, and then make a devoted effort to plunge into the uh, ketogenic realm of uh, 50 per day or below after you've developed that good fat adaptation, then you're going to go add on keto adaptation. Does that make sense? Thanks. Next one, the keto rash and other negative effects of going keto. Keto rash. Uh, I've heard a little bit about this here and there from a couple people saying they got a skin rash when they uh, attempted nutritional ketosis. And boy, that's probably out of my league. It'd be nice to have a uh, medical expert talk about that. Um, One possible, uh, you know, obviously it sounds like uh, an autoimmune reaction where you're having inflammation in one of your organs, the skin in this case. Um, I know one thing Dr. Kate says about people that are uh, going from that carbohydrate dependency pattern where they're in a constant fat storage pattern rather than a fat burning pattern. And then when you start unlocking uh, those big storage areas of fat and dumping them into your bloodstream as an energy source, finally, because you're moderating insulin production, you're going keto or you're going primal as the first step, uh, what happens is uh, you're getting possibly a toxic waste dump into the bloodstream because these dysfunctional fat cells have been stored. When you ingested those 
uh, high polyunsaturated oxidized vegetable oils, they're integrated into the membrane of the cells, stored as fat, and then the way re- when they release into the bloodstream, you can get a toxic effect at first because you're dumping, you're detoxing into the bloodstream. Maybe that could cause a skin rash and other negative experiences out of the gate. Uh, so in those certain cases, it might be wise to evaluate and maybe slow your pace of dietary transformation or uh, look for a medical expert like a functional medicine practitioner and see what's going on. I mean, this is serious stuff. If you've had years and decades of adverse lifestyle practices and consuming uh, the highly offensive uh, refined vegetable oils, uh, maybe it's not such an easy path to cleanse your body and get rid of this and start feeling fantastic like the other people that report in how great they feel after keto. Okay, do you need to, that's the next question is, do you need to adjust keto if you have gallbladder problems or no gallbladder? I don't know. What do you think? Try it out. See what happens. Do you have any adverse experiences that you might be uh, attributing to having gallbladder removed? Rob Wolf has no gallbladder. He says he's fine. Uh, There's many other people that report that they're doing okay even without the gallbladder uh, on a high-fat diet. Uh, but again, everything's individual, and there's also uh, those different categories of fat and those genetic uh, predispositions to having difficulty. Um, I'm jumping to another question on the list here because uh, it says how to gauge if you eat too much of one source, for example, dairy or certain fats like the saturated fat category. Uh, Kelly Starrett was uh, making this point on a podcast once where he said, you know, he went into this uh, primal paleo thing, started chowing the bacon because you're allowed to and it tastes good, but he didn't feel right on that. He subsequently got genetic testing and found out that um, certain people have these genetic attributes that make it difficult to digest uh, higher levels of saturated fat. So in that case, you might want to steer over to uh, the vegetable uh, type fats, uh, or I guess avocados a fruit, but I was thinking coconut, olive, olive oil, those kind of things, uh, toning down the bacon and butter a little bit in favor of the avocados and the coconuts. So that's definitely a particular that you want to experiment with, figure out, and if you want to go all the way into genetic testing, that's cool too. See what see what they say. Uh, DNA fit. I got a great test result looking over. Uh, the various genetic attributes that I'm a fast metabolizer of caffeine. That's why it doesn't really affect me if I have some chocolate uh, near my bedtime. I have an increased need for antioxidants, um, dairy uh, tolerating just fine, uh, carbohydrates tolerating not so great like most people. And so you look where you are on these um, scoreboard, these categories, and you adjust accordingly. Probably the most profound insight I got from my DNA fit genetic test was that I had a ratio of 54% uh, power strength to 46% endurance in my genetics. And that was a mind-blowing insight because, as you might know, I was an extreme endurance athlete for a long time. I competed on the professional triathlon circuit for nine years where we're training for hours and hours every day, preparing for races that last between two hours and nine hours. So I'm all into the endurance thing. I'm trying to get up every day and train my body for endurance performance, but my genetics are someone that's more attuned to a mixture of workouts, will respond better to a mixture of workouts where I have more strength and power. So it's kind of fun now as an old guy uh, dabbling in my sprinting and high jumping, uh, my speed golf world record for the fastest single hole of golf ever played broke that and trying to break it again. So maybe I'll report another record, but 
pretty soon you'll see an exciting video on YouTube. Uh, the Guinness Book of Records uh, specifies that the golf hole has to be 500 yards in length minimum. So that's a really long hole. It's a par five. So I picked my hole and I ran as fast as I could, prepared for it for many months of devoted practice, trying to hit a shot while I'm breathing, uh, breathing my, my heart's in my throat and I'm running a basically all out quarter mile pace. So I finished this hole uh, on May 8th in Sacramento in a minute 40 seconds, beating the old record of a minute 50 that you can find on YouTube if you Google fastest hole of golf individual. So anyway, I'm really into sprinting now, high jumping, uh, strength training, lifting heavy weights, like doing my hex lift dead bar that I talk about now and then, my strategy for rewarming if I need to when I get out of the uh, chest freezer cold plunge, all that fun stuff. Uh, but honoring my genetics possibly better than when I was trying to just go endurance every single day and experience difficulty recovering and difficulty keeping up with my peers who might have been more genetically uh, predisposed to, uh, to endurance performance specifically. Really interesting stuff, and we'll talk more about that, uh, maybe get some folks from DNA Fit onto the show to talk about how that might uh, align with um, ketogenic goals. Okay, so, jeez, um, man, my eyes are skipping around trying to see where I left off because I'm jumping to the... Um, the saturated fat question, and then back up to, oh, yes, we started talking about the gallbladder. So, uh, oh, Michael Rutherford has a good article here reference called um, the super-humanproject.com, and there's something called the gallbladder and keto. You can probably Google and find that, among other things. We'll put it in the show notes, too. Next question, are there different keto strategies for different populations? such as an athletic fit, low body fat person, different approach than overfat metabolically damaged. Yes, there are. I've talked about this in, at length, um, especially when we're kind of hitting that main fork in the road, that prominent fork in the road where do you have excess body fat to lose or not? And I probably should add to that question, do you have excess body fat? Do you have metabolic risk factors uh, such as you know bad blood work and those in that population might benefit more from keto than an athlete with good blood and no body fat concerns? That's not necessarily a, a complete uh, answer, you know, definitive answer. So uh, the athletes that are dabbling in keto are also finding great results, especially with recovery and minimizing the oxidative stress of the workout. Personally, I'm also enjoying the added uh, layer of consuming uh, ketone supplement, the Kegenix Prime powder that I will drink in excess. <laughs> I'll drink a lot of it uh, before, during, and after my high-intensity workouts. And I believe that during that time period, if I'm able to burn a clean burning energy source, that I minimize the oxidative stress and the inflammatory stress of the workout. I feel like I wake up the next day and I'm not as sore, I'm not as stiff, particularly in these areas down uh, in my Achilles tendon and calf, which are always sore after I sprint, dating back for, oh my gosh, since I started high school running, I was 15 years old. So, you know, for 35 years, I've had a, uh, a statistical analysis of what I feel like the day after a really intense workout. And now I seem to feel better when I drink a lot of ketones. And I'm talking about 
uh, right before, sipping it during if I have a chance to, if I'm doing high jumping or something like that or, or doing a strength training session and then starting to pound it after and continuing on for the hours after the workout. So the science is coming through. There's more and more interest in this. We'll talk about this further on the show, uh, the proper use of exogenous ketone supplements and also sorting through some of the hype that seems silly and misguided to me where they're saying, if you consume this product, you'll lose weight and making that direct connection where uh, that's a little bit oversimplified and overhyped. But the potential benefit of this stuff is fantastic. And I've been in the supplement business for a long time, the powdered drinks and recoveries uh, dating back for years, back to when I was uh, an athlete and consuming this stuff and making my smoothies. And I think as far as something that's uh, you know been uh, bottled into a jug in, in a powdered form to mix and drink, this is probably the greatest breakthrough uh, in the last 40 years of supplement because mainly we've been just pounding uh, a good source of protein like whey protein or we've been consuming sugar. And of course, those are helpful for the athlete, but this stuff takes it to a whole nother level. So check out um, keygenics.com, see what they have to say about it. There's some good articles. I think um, Julian Bakery has some good articles about their keto products where they're educating you as well as uh, providing the powder for you to try out. Definitely worth trying out. I'll say that at a minimum. Okay, so I think we've talked a lot about the different strategies uh, for the the low body fat person and the person who's metabolically damaged. And um, here's another one. Um, oh, does extra fat consumption mean that you're going to make more ketones? Yeah. So this is a big one that Lindsay Taylor and I uh, debate uh, amongst ourselves a lot and trying to figure out this. Uh, this deal where uh, it seems that the keto message is getting distorted into a blanket recommendation to stuff your face with fat in the name of keto, in the name of going into ketosis and being healthy and losing weight. And that is an extreme distortion of the origin of this uh, ketogenic movement and the ketogenic diet, which was basically, um, you know, the origin was two and a half million years ago when we were starving or generally restricting total calories or especially restricting carbs, that's when we uh, kicked into ketone production. So the best way, I'll argue, the best way to get into ketosis is through uh, fasting and restricting general calories. And you know, let's say the next best way is to restrict carbs, but eat enough fat to make sure you feel satisfied. But there's really never any um, rationale for over-consuming fat so that you can get higher ketone numbers. Um, there might be some difference of opinion about whether increased fat intake will indeed result in a higher blood ketone level. But besides that, leaving that debate aside, uh, there doesn't seem to be any reason to uh, go out of your way to consume more fat, especially because most people are looking to drop a little bit of excess body fat. And especially since we have all of us, even the skinniest marathon runner, Galen Rupp or uh, Karui or whoever, uh, you know, the, the five, nine, 127 tap pound, uh, you know, beast that can run a two hour marathon, they have tens of thousands of calories of stored body fat. So really we all have fat at our disposal. If we're in, uh, that metabolically flexible, uh, state where we can access and burn it. So when you're going keto, uh, there no need to bother with, uh, an overconsumption of fat. In fact, fat is the lever as Luis Villasenor likes to call it to ensure 
dietary satisfaction to ensure satiety, to ensure that you don't backslide into a carbohydrate binge because you're uh, restricting calories while you're trying to transition over to keto. So I think best results will come when you uh, go for ketosis and eat to a metabolic equivalent to what you're burning, right? I mean, it's tough enough to cut those carbs out. So there's no reason to restrict fat uh, and not be satisfied when you walk away from the table from your omelet or whatever high-fat meal you're preparing to enjoy and, and burn off those calories in the following hours. You get me? So there's no need to overconsume fat. And at the outset, there's not any big justification to underconsume fat because the main goal is to transition away from carb dependency into fat adapted. Now, once you build some momentum, you're doing well, and you start experimenting with fasting, for example, or, or generally just being more mindful about your caloric intake so you're not stuffing your face, you're just eating exactly what you need to feel satisfied, then you'll find it very easy to just dial down the fat intake a little bit and consequently obtain the rest of your calories from storage areas and have that wonderful experience of leaning out and toning up and all that great stuff, okay? Uh, didn't mention protein in that story, but generally speaking, it's pretty easy to hit your protein target uh, on average uh, throughout, let's say, a big picture of a month or a week. Uh, we don't want to talk day-to-day -day because the body's really good at adjusting. If you happen to fast for 24 hours, you're not going to fall apart and waste away. Your body will make up that deficit from, uh, from storage. And so the overall pattern of getting enough protein to support basic metabolic function uh, is the goal. And it's pretty easy to meet that goal. Even if you're a vegan, even if you're a big meat eating, uh, carnivorous keto person, uh, or what have you coming from whatever direction your body does really well. And Chris Kresser makes a good point that if you are in a pattern of under consuming protein for some crazy reason, like a restrictive diet where you're purposely not uh, following your appetite patterns, what's going to happen is you're going to uh, experience an extreme craving for high protein foods. And you're also going to feel like crap and start wasting away and notice that you're getting muscle loss and fatigue and exhaustion. So we have strong calibrators to get us to consume the right amount of protein. Uh, when it comes to carbs, uh, we're just going for that, um, that program where we're trying to stay at 50 or below. So we have to just kind of make those calculations, know what foods we're allowed to emphasize and what foods we want to stay away from, perhaps temporarily, but get this keto thing happening and then using the fat as a lever to make sure that we're not suffering and walking away from the table hungry or hungry in between meals. In that case, you reach for the macadamia nuts or the 90% dark chocolate and get a little fat into the bloodstream. Feels good. You burn it and you carry on. Okay. How's that sound? Uh, oh, in fact, uh, Jeff Folick, about as good a resource as you can get in this stuff, argues that uh, consuming extra fat does not mean that you make extra ketones. I think some people might offer a counter opinion, uh, but right now I'm going to go with, uh, with Volick. Okay. Next question. Is there a no man's land for athletes with low carbohydrate intake levels that foretells a burnout plateau situation? Good question. No man's land does not sound fun, does it? The first way I would answer that is that when you're trying this keto stuff, especially if you're new to it, even if you're experienced in it, uh, the chronic exercise patterns that have been traditionally fueled by high carbohydrate intake, those aren't going to work for you when you're trying for keto. Yes, you can mess yourself up pretty good. So we want to make sure that we're training sensibly and not overtraining. 
there's a ton of athletes in this category in the CrossFit community and in the endurance community and elsewhere who are in a chronic overtraining pattern, chronic overstimulation of stress hormones, and wolfing down carbohydrates every single day such that they can hang on by a string and carry on in these patterns sometimes for months or years before they completely fall apart or partially fall apart. And then when you get those carbs out of the picture and you're doing this pattern of uh, excessive glycolytic workouts with insufficient rest and recovery, that's when your body's going to probably head toward burnout and plateau more quickly. It's going to write you and keep you more honest when you're not uh, shoveling food down your throat. (laughs) I remember this guy I used to train with, Eric Check, C-E-C-H, his nickname was Paycheck. He was a great young athlete in the triathlon scene. And then he switched over to strictly cycling and became a top pro, had some good finishes at the Redlands Classic in Southern California. But he swore by this uh, uh, this practice of if he was feeling tired and burnt out and kind of pushed it uh, to the limit with a sustained pattern of uh, impressive workouts, you know, going for a really big week on the bike or whatever, he would stuff his face uh, into the night. You know, he'd just purposely eat way too much food and take a bunch of crazy supplements. He would like to go shopping at the GNC store and get some trimethylglycine and tout that on the next morning, how great he felt. But he would eat so much food that he would wake up and swear that it helped him recover faster. <laughs> so I don't know if that really um, kicks into uh, scientifically valid or not, but what we want to get away from is that tr- chronic training pattern. So trying to get back to the question, is there a no man's land? Uh, some people indicate that if you're over the keto limit, so let's say you're really restricting carbs, you're dialing it down another notch from your previous dietary patterns that might be primal paleo aligned, 150 grams a day, maybe more if you're an athlete. So maybe you're going up to 200 grams a day because you do a regular consistent workout pattern. And then you try to drop it down to keto and you end up at 70 or 80 or 90 a day. Okay, so you're not making many ketones because you're getting a sufficient amount of carbs from the diet. You're not kicking into ketone production until you get under 50. But then again, that's not too many carbs when you consider everything, especially your workout demands. So maybe you are in a no man's land where you're not getting those incredible benefits of keto, where you feel fantastic and you can go like these, uh, uh, these luminaries in the, in the movement. Uh, Paul Grossenstein was the first one I met way back in 2013 or 2012 where he looked me straight in the eye and he's like, yeah, I'm into this keto thing and I got to tell you, um, I did an Ironman recently. I think he did like a 13-hour time and he reported his caloric intake as follows. The night before the race, he had a glass of red wine and a big steak. And then during the race for 13 hours, he consumed water and liquid amino acids only. And I you know, punched him in the shoulder like Kramer used to do to Seinfeld, like no way. And that was my first time I was exposed to uh, what the human was capable of Uh, in nutritional ketosis, where they simply uh, completely eliminated their need for dietary carbohydrate uh, to fuel a sustained endurance performance. Now, he's going at 13-hour Ironman pace, so he's not in a high glycolytic endeavor anyway, but now it's been shown with folks like Luis Villasenor, who can do the powerlifting and the bodybuilding and the extreme explosive high-intensity workout in the gym and also stuff that lasts for a long time because bodybuilders aren't in there uh, like primal enthusiasts doing these 20, 30-minute workouts. They're going in there for two hours and they're working hard and they're going for hypertrophy. 
And Luis has been doing it in a strict ketogenic state for, what do you say at Paleo FX? 17 years? Something like that, 18 years? Yeah, so amazing things are possible when you get fat and keto adapted. But as you're trying to get fat and keto adapted and you're trying to adhere to ambitious training schedule, whew, I think there is gonna be a no man's land where you're pushing it too hard and you gotta be sensible. You gotta pay attention to your cravings and your appetite fluctuations. And boy, if you're sitting around one night and you're really in touch with your, uh, your needs and you're not just bored and you're feeling like you need a couple sweet potatoes, it could be a strong sign that um, you need to go and consume and, and restock that glycogen and stay away from the a burnout plateau situation. In my opinion, what's happening sometimes as you're transitioning over and you're pushing the edges a little too much, you're not totally fat and keto adapted and you're trying to do cool stuff like me, um, I noticed that, um, let's say I'd wake up and do a sprint workout, feel fantastic, fasted, of course, for however long, you know, 12, 14 hours, and then fasting for four, five, six hours after the sprint workout, trying to just, you know, tone up my keto game big time. And I'd feel fine. Then I'd have a nice meal and it might even be a keto meal. So I'd have a big salad three hours after my sprint workout, not many carbs there either, not many carbs at dinner that night, and everything feels fine. And then, oh, let's say 36 to 48 hours later, I would have these crash and burn situations where I'd be sitting there working the next afternoon and feel like, heck, and have to go take a nap. Uh, possibly what was happening was some of that, some of those good feelings, those good vibes after my sprint workout were being fueled by stress hormones. So I was still a little bit glucose dependent. And when I didn't feed myself after that high intensity workout that was highly glycolytic, right? If I didn't feed myself the carbs I needed, I would simply manufacture them by kicking into the fight or flight response because I wasn't totally fat and keto adapted like a big time superstar. Uh, I still was a little bit dependent. And so I'm getting my needs met. So I feel fine that afternoon because I'm in fight or flight. But then when it wears off 36 to 48 hours later, that's when I realize that I've gone into uh, adrenal, uh, you know, fight or flight, exhaustion, um, glycogen depletion, things like that. And that might correlate with, let's say, a high appetite for carbs. Or in my case, I didn't have that high appetite for carbs, but I had that uh, delayed fatigue. So I'm a little bit in favor of uh, some experimentation in this case, uh, Luis calls it, it the uh, targeted ketogenic diet where you're targeting some carb intake in and around your workout so that you perform better at the workout. You know it's not going to disturb your keto goals because if you take 20 grams of carbs uh, right before a session, whether you drink it in a liquid or whatever, uh, and go perform, it's getting uh, burned right away. It's not going to stimulate this big insulin response, which of course shuts down ketone production. So me personally, I'm being a little more sensitive to that. I talked about uh, consuming the, uh, the ketone supplement so that I have that readily available source of calories and I'm not uh, depleting my, uh, my glucose stores as much during those intense workouts. And especially afterward, I'm getting that recovery going uh, by having a readily available source of ketones to burn. So that's some fun stuff to consider, uh, opening up a big uh, bunch of questions just from that single a uh, nice offering that someone wrote. There's, is there a no man's land where low carb levels can foretell burnout plateau situation? We'll get to more in the future. If you want to add to this list with general questions, concerns, 
go ahead and email info at ketoreset.com. Or if you want to write us a long, thoughtful story about your experience in keto with a question somewhere, sneak in there that's uh, of general relevance and benefit to everybody. Love to read those things too. Thank you for listening to the show. Definitely go over to ketoreset.com and look around at the mastery course. I think you're going to love it. It's got so much to offer. And of course, now you get that awesome 20% discount by typing in Brad 20 into the field at the checkout page uh, at primalblueprint.com. You click over there from ketoreset.com, say, yes, I'll register for the course. Oh, and also you can add on all these cool things. We have um, these upgrade packages where when you register for the Keto Reset Mastery course, uh, you can get a bunch of salad dressing, mayonnaise, a little kit that we put together for a huge discount. So if you like Primal Kitchen products or you want to try them out, you've heard about them, the healthy avocado oil-based mayonnaise and salad dressings, now you can get an avalanche of those when you sign up for the course and save a tremendous amount in comparison to actually buying the products directly, the kitchen products. So go check out those upgrade packages at the final uh, stage before you pull the trigger at ketoreset.com. Thanks for listening to the show. Have a great day. So Chris Kelly, Nourish, Balance, Thrive, we're, we're talking about health and you're telling me a funny story about your picky four-year-old daughter that won't eat unless there's Primal Kitchen uh, condiments on the table. It's true. My daughter will not eat unless there's f***ing the Primal Kitchen Wilder. <laughs> it's, it's this cute thing, actually, she does. We have a local state park called Wilder Ranch. Oh, yeah. And uh, she calls the ranch dressing Wilder Ranch dressing. Which <laughs> we, 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 there's no way we're going to correct her on that. It's just too it's so, so endearing. Uh, how old um, is she? She's four. Oh my gosh. So she likes like the mayo on a Oh yeah, she, so, she loves those. So we love them as well. We have, uh, we, we eat them all the time. We eat the mayo, we eat the balsamic, we eat the, the ranch, um, the avocado oil we use all the time. And, and so, you know, that's completely genuine. And I don't mind talking about that because you took the pain in the ass out of condiments. I really appreciate that. What an authentic spot from Chris Kelly at Nourish, Balance, Thrive. And yes, Primal Kitchen, you can call it Wilder Ranch Dressing if you want. And uh, we'll send five cents of the proceeds over to that beautiful state park because they're, they're trying to make ends meet in Santa Cruz Mountains. Thank you very much, Chris. <laughs> it's my pleasure.